0: A better word for creativity, Eugene Schwartz always said this, a better word for creativity is connectivity, uh, because it's really just the ability to take two disparate things and put them together in a new way, a flush way, a way that maybe people haven't really seen before, a way that gets people excited. So I think there's still a lot of human finesse that needs to happen uh, in order to be creative, in order to turn two old things into something new. Welcome to the Become a Writer Today podcast with Brian Collins. Here you'll find practical advice and interviews for all kinds of writers.
1: My guest today is Eddie Schleiner. He's the founder of Very Good Copy, a popular newsletter of which I'm a subscriber. And he's also the former copy chief at G2.com, which is a great resource for finding software and other services. And he was named Marketing MVP of the Year as well. Welcome to the show, Eddie.
0: (laughs) Well, thank you for that introduction. I appreciate you, Brad.
1: Yeah, you've got some impressive experiences, uh, both working in the business or corporate world and now working for yourself um, on very good copy. And you you are a direct response copywriter too. So I suppose, how did you get into copywriting?
0: What is it that excited you about this field? Uh, You know, it was an accident, complete accident. I wanted to be a writer. I was an English major in college. I wanted to be a writer. And um, when I graduated... Uh, I couldn't find any writing jobs, took a sales job, and then my buddy told me about a copywriting position uh that opened up at a company called Career Builder. So I didn't even know what copywriting was, but I took it and uh it became very clear to me very early on that that my worth in that role was dependent on, you know, how many times I can get people to click and take an action. And so that right there is direct response copywriting. So that's how I went down that path and became really obsessed with it because I thought, hey, here's a way to make money writing, which is, was my ultimate goal, you know. So that's how it started. Mm. I worked as a copywriter too.
1: And what I found is there's no real course on copywriting. Now, granted, there are newsletters like yours that you can subscribe to. You know, it's not something you can take in university or in college. A lot of copywriting is self-directed. So where did you learn
0: direct response well, as a matter of fact, I have the book right here. I keep it next to my desk at all times. It's called The Adweek Copywriting Handbook. It's by a guy named Joe Sugarman. This copy is probably 10-15 years old. I got it at the at the very beginning of my career, it was the first book I picked up, and it really shaped a lot of my thinking early on because you know, Joe Sugarman used to write print ads, and a lot of the techniques and the principles that he followed uh, are still really applicable now on landing pages and emails and and a lot of the other direct response assets that that copywriters create. So that was probably where I started.
1: Yeah, I've read some of that book and I have a couple of other copywriting books on my shelf uh, behind me where we're recording this interview. What I've also found is some of the principles of copywriting and direct response copywriting actually work quite
0: well for social media. Is that something that you found with your work? Oh yeah, sure. I mean, social media, whether it's on, you know, on social or whether it's a print ad or whether it's, you know, any advertisement is really just trying to compel people to pay attention and then take an action. Mm. I mean, all advertising is designed to get people to act, to do something. It's just a matter of when you're getting them to do it. You know, so like in direct response, copywriting, the action is supposed to take place immediately. You know, you watch the infomercial, you watch the ad, uh, the banner ad pop up, or you land on the landing page, you're supposed to do what that ad wants you to do right away at least that's what the copy is supposed to do Mm. but then there's another type of copywriting it's called creative or general copywriting um and that's really supposed to put an image uh, or an idea in your mind and then you know when that product buying opportunity comes up that image or idea or emotion is supposed to pop back up and influence your decision so it's all about uh getting people to act and back to your question i mean whether you're writing an ad or whether you're writing something on social media, you still want people to stop and take some sort of an action. Uh, you know, whether that's clicking into uh, you know through a link and and uh, you know going to a different page or you know simply hitting the like button.
1: Mm. Yeah, I, I was interested to hear you say that uh, copywriting is partly creative. Uh, that's something that I found. You can write some persuasive, emotional copy, but then you also want people to act. So you need to look at the click-through rate or the open rate. Uh, or how many people are actually going on to the next step in the the journey for whatever you've written copy for. But I've been wondering, is AI going to take a lot of that creativity out of the art of copywriting?
0: I don't think so. I think a better word for creativity, Eugene Schwartz always said this, a better word for creativity is connectivity, uh, because it's really just the ability to take two disparate things and put them together in a new way, a flush way, a way that maybe people haven't really seen before, a way that gets people excited. So I think there's still a lot of human finesse that needs to happen uh in order to be creative, in order to turn two old things into something new. That's very much a human task. I think where AI can help, though, is just by giving you those variables, you know, giving you new ideas uh and new options to kind of put together uh at a very high level. I think that's what it's going to boil down to is, is AI is just going to make the work more efficient. But I think the creative act is still very much a, a human thing. Uh,
1: apart from ChatGPT, are there any other copywriting tools that use AI that you're particularly fond of? Uh, one that comes to mind that I've used a bit is Jasper.
0: I haven't used Jasper and and um, yeah, I use AI. I use ChatGPT from time to time. I also, uh, my newsletter has been sponsored by a company called Writer, uh, which is a generative AI platform. And I think what makes them different is that you can um, give them inputs, so you can show them all sorts of examples around how your team writes, uh, and then they'll create style guides and they'll create prompts that your company can use uh, to sound like the way that your company wants to sound, you know, in their voice, their tone. So I think that's a pretty good one. Mm.
1: Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. So I started my site as a side project while I was working as a copywriter, and then it gradually turned into um, a business over the years. Could you an empire, an empire <laughs> oh, no. tell listeners when you set up very good copy
0: or the story behind it? Well, I guess, you know, it was, it was very shortly after I started going down the direct response path, the education uh, that I was kind of giving myself. I was reading a lot of articles and books about it. Obviously, I was listening to podcasts, I was just like taking in as much as I could about it. And um when I came into an insight that I found really compelling or interesting, or, or I thought, hey, you know, I could really use this in, in my own work, I would challenge myself to write an article about it. And I was an English major, right? I studied narrative. So a lot of these little articles came out in kind of story form or narrative form, you know, they were rooted in stories from my life or stories that I was seeing around me stories that my friends were telling me. And so, uh, that was just a way to kind of like keep those muscles sharp and also to kind of entertain myself. And at the same time, like I said, record a lot of those insights, those techniques, those principles that I was coming into throughout my education. And so that's how Very Good Copy started is I had this long running list of probably 50 or 60 of these micro articles. And, uh, I showed them to somebody and they were like, you know, you should put these online. Is this DM
1: micro contents? on your site? Yes,
0: yeah. 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 So, so
1: for listeners, micro content is uh, in the top menu bar and they're, they're like short essays about different topics.
0: But yeah, please go on. Well, that's about it. I mean, I you know, I just had these, I had all these essays and I put them online and then organically, people started finding them. And then when I eventually got a job at G2, you know, I was very lucky to be surrounded by really good people. Personally, they were great people, but they were also just world-class in, what they did—they were great growth marketers, in particular. That were on my team that I became friends with, and they showed me how to. Uh, they not only encouraged me to, you know, spread it around, but they showed me how to spread my work around the internet really efficiently. And so that was a, that was a real uh, blessing in my life to meet these people and and basically use their knowledge to to spread my work around.
1: Mm, that's fantastic. Yeah, when I was working for a British software company. was building my site on the site, but I was quite nervous about people in work knowing about it. But eventually when I told them, my manager at the time was actually quite encouraging. Uh, So
0: I suppose I got to learn online marketing and then practice it on the site. Same, same, same. No, man, I think, well, that's the mark of a good manager and, and a good company in general is that if you have something that's in the same wheelhouse on the side as what you're doing at work, I think work can only benefit from you doing that and your passion growing, your knowledge growing you know, because they were like, hey, whatever you're learning and while you are work on very good copy, come back and use it here. And I did. Mm. So the newsletter, according to the site currently has just under
1: 60,000 subscribers. I'm I'm sure it's past 60 now at this point. <laughs> and you're getting, I think, 100 subscribers a day. So what's working for you at the moment for growing your newsletter?
0: Yeah, I think at a certain point, it just reaches like a critical mass. And People are organically sharing it around, or I think that's part of the deal. Like at at a certain point, you reach this critical mass, and people people are just finding it organically, whether that's on Google or people are just sharing it around. But yeah, initially the the initial growth happened when probably the first couple thousand subscribers were just guest posting. I was just guest posting online. I got an opportunity to start a, a copywriting column at HubSpot, which is had a big blog back then, still does, and. They gave me this column, and every now and then I'd write for them, and they would feature it in their newsletter and link back to the site. And so that's how I got the first few thousand subscribers. And then after that, I think a lot of it was just me repurposing a lot of the content onto LinkedIn and creating a growth loop from LinkedIn back to my website to the newsletter. And then every single time I sent out a newsletter, I'd send people to that same article on LinkedIn. That article had a CTA to get people back to my website. The website is designed to get people into the newsletter. And it was just this virtuous circle.
1: Fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah, I, I wrote guest posts back in the day for a copy blogger or fast company and for a year or two for Forbes. Uh, worked quite well up to a point, but I, I do wonder, does guest posting still have the same value these days? Um, I, I think it would be quite a bit harder for somebody to grow a newsletter to guest posting and perhaps growing a platform on social media is probably a better way to go. At least these days.
0: Yeah, maybe. I mean, I haven't done it in so long. I think everything fatigues after a while. You know, you, you see results and then over, over time it fatigues and, you know, you don't get the same results, I guess. But I think the secret to like creative longevity is just quality, just putting out the best stuff you can and putting your best foot forward on every piece and putting promotion behind it. Obviously, like you got to get it out there. But as long as you focus on that quality piece, then you're doing the right thing. Yeah, I would certainly agree.
1: And you're still active on LinkedIn today. Is is that your main network where you publish content apart from your newsletter?
0: Yep. Yep. So yeah, LinkedIn has been very good to me. And yeah, I feel very lucky to have grown an audience over there. And I don't see any reason to, to stop. Every now and then I go on like a little hiatus if I'm like tired and, you know, I'll stop posting or, you know, because it is a grind. But yeah, I'm definitely on there.
1: Fantastic. Fantastic. And when I was looking at your site, uh, so you've worked with a huge variety of clients Google, HubSpot, which we talked about a few moments ago, uh, Drift. But you've, you've also worked with some solo or creative entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. for example, uh, Justin Welsh, Scott Diggers, and a few others. So do, do you have an ideal or preferred client or, or otherwise? Oh,
0: yeah, sure. I mean, I, I really enjoy working on direct response campaigns, you know, so anything that has a conversion metric tied to it. So landing pages, emails. These are direct response assets where if you're reading them, you should be taking an action at the end of it. So I'm interested in working on on those types of things because they, they keep me honest. There's a very clear uh, clear measure of success at the end of it. Either you improve the conversion rate of the control or you didn't. And yeah, and that's where I got my start. So it's very kind of it's a discipline that I'm really comfortable in.
1: Fantastic. I'm always interested to hear how um, creative people like you, Eddie, uh, how you actually run things behind the scenes. So could you maybe give listeners a flavor, firstly, for your writing workflow, like what apps you're using and how you're actually structuring and writing the micro content?
0: Oh, yeah, sure. I guess, um, well, I'm very like low tech, you know, verygoodcopy.com is built on Squarespace. It's a block site. I've just been kind of tinkering with it for many years. So I'm trying to get it as, as kind of, you know, clean and lean as, as I can, but it's, it's a block site. I use MailChimp for my newsletter. And then I guess, you know, when it comes to writing the articles, I'm really just looking for, I guess it's like three pillars. There's like three things that I look for. I, I think about like the, the lesson, what I want people to walk away with. So, you know, are we teaching a, a you know, I read about copywriting and creativity mostly. So I'm looking for principles and, and techniques to teach people. And then I'm looking for a story, a narrative, something that uh, reminds me of this principle or technique that I'm going to teach. And then I try to bridge that lesson and that story in a certain number of words. So I'll I'll say, okay, I'll give myself 300 words to write this article. And then it's kind of like a puzzle, you know, how do I put this story, this narrative together with this lesson that I'm teaching in so many words. And yeah, I mean, you know, sometimes I'll write it and it'll come out in 500 words, but then I'll challenge myself to, to pare it down and make it 300. And if I can do that, the writing almost always becomes better because, you know, if you can say the same thing in fewer words, I think that's the definition of good writing. So that's at a high level. That's my process.
1: Yeah. Brevity is clarity. It's quite hard to say something in 300 words when it's 500 words long. So most copywriters have what's called a swipe file, whereby they save information and anecdotes and research into kind of one central place. And then they review that when it's time to write something for a client. Do you have a particular system or a particular place where you
0: put your research and notes? you know to be honest i don't have a I don't have a swipe file like that because I think that swipe files can be quite dangerous sometimes uh if you lean too heavily on on an example from a swipe file, it can kind of skew your decision making uh or pervert your decision making a little bit because you know every ad is every ad worked for a very specific market at a very specific point in time. And if you take that ad, and you try to, you know, stuff a different market into it during a different time, it might not have the same effect. So I try not to lean too heavily on swipe files. And instead, I just I try to do as much research as I can in the moment, you know, when I'm working with a client, I have a swipe file, I have like ads that I like. And you know, I I have ads all over my office. I mean, I definitely have uh, inspiration to draw from. But um, I guess it's just like kind of a, a word of caution that I always give to to mentees and students of mine is don't mean too heavily on any one ad uh, to create a new one because there's no guarantee that it'll work. It was made for different people at a different point in time.
1: Yeah, that's good advice. That's good advice. So you mentioned that you're using MailChimp, Eddie. I'm, I'm wondering, have you set up a type of automation campaign where your micro content or essays are scheduled
0: in advance and being sent out to new subscribers? Or do you like to write a new one each week? Yeah, I, I usually write a new one each week, and I do have some automations set up. You know, if somebody joins the newsletter, or you know, if somebody joins a wait list, there will be a you know an auto email that's sent out. But I don't really, uh, yeah, I don't really have a very sophisticated uh, nurture sequence, if that's what you mean. I usually do things as they come, and I'm pretty disciplined about having a few articles kind of ready to go. But every now and then, like right now, I'm just kind of tired and taking a little break and so i don't really have anything in the chamber
1: well everybody needs to, to take a break i guess to uh recharge particularly if you're doing something uh, that's that's creative so i'm also wondering you, you know you work with a lot of clients and then you're creating content for your newsletter what do you spend the bulk of your week on eddie is it the
0: client work or is it is it building very good copy It's definitely the newsletter. Yeah. It's definitely the newsletter. I mean, I I would say probably 70 or 80% of my time is spent thinking about the newsletter, writing it, promoting it, just doing everything I can to, uh, yeah, just be proud of it. And, um, yeah, then I'll take on maybe a client or two a month. Uh, and I don't think I'll ever stop doing that because, you know, client work is it's so good at keeping you fresh and keeping you in the discipline. And, and, uh, it's just, it's working those muscles. So I don't want them to atrophy, but, Yeah, it's definitely more of a newsletter business right now.
1: Yeah, you get to put into practice the principles that you're reading about or researching, which helps then with creating content about them because you have examples and anecdotes that you can draw from. So from what I can see on the side, Eddie, you're also working on a book and uh, like any good direct response copywriter, there is a a wait list. (laughs) Yes. So so, uh, what's
0: the book about or or when will it be out? (laughs) Well, I'm going to keep that one close to the vest. I haven't shared too much about the book. Eventually, I will probably in a in a couple months here, but um, I have a little campaign in in the works for uh, this reveal to to the folks that are that are interested about it. So, if you don't mind, I'm going to keep that one close to the vest. Yeah, but, of course. Yeah, uh, yeah, I will say that you know, if, if folks like my writing and and they like the style of very good copy and and how I tell uh, stories and teach people, they will like uh they will like the book as well.
1: You also have a course, which is not uh, under an NDA. So no. the course <laughs> is about landing pages. Yes. I suppose, what would somebody get in a course about landing pages and how would
0: it benefit them? Well, look, I mean, everything everything that you sell online is being sold via a landing page. You know, especially if there's content that you're selling, if you're selling a book or if you're selling another course or if you're selling uh, webinar subscriptions, a podcast. I mean, all of these things require landing pages to tell that story and compel that very specific audience to take an action. And landing pages are, like I was saying, I, I prefer to work on direct response assets. Probably 80-90% of the client work that I take on is landing pages. And it's just such a versatile uh, tool in digital marketing. That's one of the uh, most powerful levers I think a, a, a digital marketer can pull is improving their landing page. Because without improving the product at all, you know you can change a few things on the landing page and improve the the conversion rate uh in a way that that could change a business potentially so uh it's a really important asset it's what i work on uh almost exclusively with clients and um i really enjoy uh teaching people all the things that that i've learned over the years that make a great landing page so that's why i put the course together and that's why i think people should buy it and why i think people have responded to it the way that they have because it's uh uh, it's just it's just one of those things that everybody can use. It's a great effect.
1: Talking about the components of a good landing page is probably a podcast episode in itself. But if somebody's listening and they are interested, but they don't have the traffic for a landing page, do you, is that something you help them with as well, or otherwise to get traffic to the page?
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, certainly. I mean, um, I guess it depends on on how much infrastructure you have, what kind of assets you have. You know, if you have a list per se. Then you know you can create a an, an email sequence and get people to a specific landing page. Uh, if you have a social media presence, then then you can create a uh, an ad campaign and get people to a landing page. If you don't have either of those things, you can put money into a uh, uh, a paid campaign and get folks to a landing page. I can definitely work on any of the assets that come before uh, the landing page, the kind of prerequisites to getting people there. But what's funny is that the landing page should always come first. We should always create. That's how I operate. This my ethos, is that you should always create the landing page first uh, and have your complete selling message on the landing page. All of the elements that you would want to compel people with should be on that landing page. And then you should use that landing page to inform all of your other assets, to inform your email sequence, to inform your, your banner campaign, to inform your social media ads. Because it creates something very important called congruence from the ad to the landing page, which keeps people on track and not confused. So even if you're creating all of these other things to get people to the landing page, the landing page should come first.
1: That's good advice. I would agree with that. And it's quite easy to get traffic
0: today as well once you
1: move the right levers. So, so Eddie, where could listeners go if they want to learn more about you or your work?
0: Yeah, man, I appreciate it. I, I think verygoodcopy.com is, is home base. And uh, if you go there, you can find Uh, the newsletter. You can find uh, ways to work with me. You know, if you join the newsletter uh, in the welcome email, you'll get links to six of my most popular uh, micro courses and series. That's an instant thing. You don't got to wait for me to send out a newsletter either. So if that's interesting to folks, then yeah, I think that's where I'd go. Verygoodcopy.com. I'll
1: include the links in
0: the show notes. Thanks for your time, Eddie. Hey, I appreciate you, man. Thank you for having me.
1: I hope you enjoyed this week's episode if you did please consider leaving a short review on the itunes store or sharing the show on spotify stitcher or wherever you're listening